Welcome to the Step Up Speak Out programme. Firstly, let me introduce myself. I'm John Daniels, and before you get straight into Module 1 and the subject of courage, I just want to give you a little bit of background on myself. I want to share my story with you briefly of how I overcame my self-esteem issues, grew in confidence and took complete control of my life. I had a midlife crisis at 27, and I know you're gasping and thinking that's way too young, but at that point in my life, nothing made sense to me. I was constantly letting people knock me down and walk all over me, and I'd realised it was happening, yet I didn't have the confidence to do anything about it. I would just sit there, getting more and more frustrated about my life. I started to hate and resent people. Nothing was ever my fault, of course. Anything that happened, it was always other people taking advantage of me. Now, two significant things happened to me around that time that left me feeling this way, as if I was exposed to the world. Firstly, my dad had a stroke, and I lost what turned out to be a really important communication. I'd pretty much done everything my dad had told me in my life to that point. It wasn't a bad thing as I had a very successful career. The downside was I'd never really taken any risks as I just did as I was told. When I lost the communication with my dad, I didn't know what to do next. No one was telling me, so I just ended up seeking approval from someone else before I did anything. I was scared of failing and this paralysed my ability to take action. Instead of getting the approval from my dad, I started looking at my boss as this pseudo-father figure. He loved it as he just got this hard-working slave, but I became a workaholic, and although I did win this big award, I became pretty miserable as I had no life. This is when the second significant event occurred. I got a new boss, and my new boss didn't want a slave. He wanted someone who would do things independently and develop their own style. This was disastrous for me to start with, but in the end it probably turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me, as you will find out throughout the rest of the Step Up Speak Out program. So I just want to stop here and change the subject to courage. I want you to understand what courage actually is. In my eyes, courage is the ability to take action even when filled with fear. Fear is what paralyzes people, it stops you being able to take action. And the interesting thing about fear, though, is that it's all made up in your head. In fact, there are only two real fears in the world that humans are naturally born with, and that's a fear of heights and a fear of loud noises. All other fears are learnt. And this should be good news to you, because if you accept that you learn how to be scared in the first place, you've also just accepted that you can unlearn it or learn something else to replace it. At the moment, the fear that is holding you back is likely to be you worrying about what other people are thinking about you. I say that because you're feeling out of control of your life as you're constantly letting other people knock you down and walk all over you. The thing is, you don't actually know what anyone else is thinking at any time. You are just trying to mind read. And if you can mind read, please do let me know where you got your degree from, by the way, as I'm sure I could sell it to the police for a lot of money. I mean, do you know what I'm thinking about at this very moment? Am I feeling sorry for you? Am I laughing at you? Am I really excited about helping you? Or maybe I'm actually just wondering what type of shoes you're wearing right now. The point is, you don't know what anyone is thinking at any time.
I remember sitting on a train to London once, being surrounded by three screaming kids while the dad just sat there. I couldn't understand why the dad didn't tell his kids to stop screaming. And after 10 minutes, I asked him to control your kids. He replied with a blank expression. I'm sorry, my wife just died and I don't know what to do. How do you think that made me feel? You have to stop assuming how people think and feel and look at you. In the words of Susan Jeffers, you need to get in the mindset of feel the fear and do it anyway. When you feel fear, I want you to get excited as you're about to have a learning experience. As an experiment, I want you to try doing something unfamiliar. You see, humans like things to be familiar. So when something different comes along, people get scared when they don't need to. Different isn't bad, it's not evil, it's just a new experience. For example, try writing with the opposite hand. Try shaving or putting makeup on with the other hand. Notice it feels different, but it's not bad. If you do it a few more times, it will actually begin to feel normal. Anyway, back to my story. I earlier told you how my new boss wanted me to become more independent. Well, I truly did, and as I said, it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me. You see, as I grew more independent, I started getting a buzz out of doing new things. So fear actually became excitement. At the same time, I also realised I hated my job. I hated the ethics behind what I did each day, and I hated being made to jump through hoops in the hope that someone told me I was doing a good job. And then one day, it happened. I stepped up and I spoke out, and I did it in spectacular fashion. I mean, imagine a can of Coke that had been shaken up for a very, very long time that was just then opened. That was me. Everything came out in one go. I ended up calling the people I worked with the C-word. I threatened to punch several people. And I left my job, but I did it with a rather large payoff to keep me happy, to stop me saying anything to anyone else. With hindsight, I accept this, this wasn't really an elegant way of handling things, but my God, it felt so good just letting rip about how I felt for the first time in my life. For the first time in my life, I was experiencing certainty. And when you become certain, you become more confident. You look forward to challenges and you become full of courage. Mihal Csikszentmihalyi has this theory called flow. This is where you're in the zone and you believe you can do anything because the challenge of what you are doing is just right for you at that time. So for example, me taking a free kick during a football match, I believe that my skill level will lead me to scoring. But the challenge of actually scoring is enough to also keep me interested. Free kicks don't bore me, yet they challenge me enough. Although not to the point where I feel overwhelmed by them. There is a level of certainty in me to give me the courage to step up and hit the ball in the net more times than I would miss. I am in the state of flow. No one can tell me otherwise. And that is when the problem really comes in. It's when you listen to other people who try to tell you what your reality is. And the reason you are out of control is because you listen to these people. And you are listening to these people who probably don't even get themselves. Let alone trying to give you advice. They certainly don't get you. Only you can get you. So focus on you and becoming certain. It's an advantage that a human has, say, over a beaver. A beaver just goes through life looking to build dams as that's what beavers do. 
Humans have the ability to choose what they do and make the changes where needed to make it happen. You have to make up your own rules and not follow the rules being given to you. Let's go biblical with this. You know the story of David Goliath, right? How the underdog beat the giant. Well, let's look at what actually happened. Goliath turned up with his army, expecting the rules of war to be followed. David was a shepherd. His reality was that if a wolf tried to kill one of his sheep, you kill the wolf straight away. You don't ask questions or think about what to do. So when Goliath turned up with his sword demanding to do battle, David didn't know there was an etiquette of crossing swords and bowing before fighting. He just saw a wolf attacking his sheep, so he grabbed his weapon that he knew, the slingshot, and smacked two rocks straight between Goliath's eyes, killing him instantly. This wasn't a magic strategy. David just stuck to the, his rules instead of assuming that he must do what everyone else does. And history is littered with examples like this. Just look at the story of Lawrence of Arabia, or think about a little non-league team doing a giant killing in the FA Cup. I mean, that's why it's called a giant killing. When you follow your own rules, you have a level of certainty to give you courage. You take control of your life. You take responsibility for what you do and do not do. You are making yourself the capital letter and not just another full stop at the end of a sentence. You enable yourself to take action as you have the self-belief that you are right. Now most people set their self-belief up in the wrong manner. As I said earlier, I developed this achiever self-belief mentality. But as long as I did a good job, people gave me approval for doing this, I knew I was alright. The problem here was that I wasn't in control. Everyone else was. I had to achieve to a high standard and get approval just to feel normal. The fear of non-approval was like the end of the world to me. My new boss changed my self-belief to be something a little bit wiser. As I became more certain about myself, my belief was more, I can do anything if I choose to, and I accept I might just need to learn along the way. Did I believe that I'd get things right first time every time? Absolutely not. Did I accept I would learn along the way? I certainly did. Just look at, say, Wayne Rooney, the footballer. Did Wayne Rooney just pop out of his mum with a football as a baby and just become this world-class player? No. He spent time practising until he became world class. And to be world class at something, you have to spend like 10,000 hours practising. And that's according to super coach Michael Neal. Now I'm not asking you to spend 10,000 hours doing something. At the moment, I would just like you to spend 10 minutes doing something new so you start learning. And then do another 10 minutes. Then an hour and so on and so on. You will reap the benefits of what you sow in your life. And it's the seeds that you are sowing right now that will impact your life in the future. Decisions you make right now will determine what happens to you in 10 years time. If I hadn't told my boss where to go, I would still be stuck in a job I hated. I would have never discovered coaching people, which is something I love. And I would never have met my wife and I would never have started living the life I wanted to live. I saw a film recently called Pay It Forward, and that was with Haley Joe Osmond, you know, the little kid from The Sixth Sense. In the film, his teacher asked the class to do something that made a difference in the world. Haley's character came up with the idea of doing a favour first, instead of waiting for someone to do something for him in order to return it. The character started sowing seeds that led him to a better life. 
So I was so inspired by this, I started doing it myself. I live near this toll bridge and I often pay for the car behind me just so I can see the expression in the rear view mirror when the man in the booth tells him that the car in front paid. So just have a little think about what ideas you could do to pay it forward in your own life. In order for you to gain courage, in order for you to stop fear holding you back, in order for you to stop letting other people control you, I want to show you how you can become more certain. I am going to give you a belief and I want you to use this as an experiment. And I know when I tell you this belief, you're going to tell me that you don't think it's true. But as I said, this is just an experiment. I'm not saying it's true, I'm just saying it's a belief I want you to try on just to notice how the world can seem different very quickly. And that belief is, being with me is the best choice anyone can make. Just say it to yourself in your head, and say it in a way that sounds good. Don't be wimpy and say, being with me is the best choice anyone can make. Put full expression in, express every word, use powerful tonality, and use your body language. Being with me is the best choice anyone can make. Actually get up and do it. Announce it to the world as if you are 100% certain in this. Being with me is the best choice anyone can make. How did that feel? Pretty good, huh? Okay, the next step is to make this a bit more real for you though, so you do actually believe that being with you is the best choice that anyone can make. I'm going to take you through two techniques to help you here. The first technique is called the certainty anchor. What I want you to do is hold your hand up as if you were going to do a karate chop. So the bottom side of your hand is flat. Then take two fingers from your other hand and just tap the bottom of your karate chop hand. Now do you notice that that feels good? For some reason, that point is like the reset button on your body. Tapping this point will just make you feel good for no good reason. So keep on tapping, then what I want you to do next is to repeat the following sentence while you do this. Here we go. Keep tapping and say you along with me. I want to believe that being with me is the best choice that anyone can make. I will believe that being with me is the best choice that anyone can make. I can believe that being with me is the best choice that anyone can make. I believe that being with me is the best choice that anyone can make. We're just going to repeat this two more times and keep tapping. I want to believe that being with me is the best choice that anyone can make. I will believe that being with me is the best choice that anyone can make. I can believe that being with me is the best choice that anyone can make. I believe that being with me is the best choice that anyone can make. And let's keep tapping and just do it one more time. I want to believe that being with me is the best choice that anyone can make. I will believe that being with me is the best choice that anyone can make. I can believe that being with me is the best choice that anyone can make. I believe that being with me is the best choice that anyone can make. And just stop and notice how you feel. Have you got that nice little buzzing feeling going on around your body? Tap your hands a couple more times right now. Did you notice what happens? How good do you feel? Cool, huh? You have set up a certainty system in your body. I want you to do this exercise every day for a week. 
If it could feel that good doing it once, imagine how it would feel if you do it every night for a week. And you know that anytime you need courage, you can just tap your hand and start to feel more certain in your ability. Okay, now we're going to move on to the second technique, and this is called the certainty shift. I want you to think of something you know is 100% true about yourself, that you are 100% certain about. There's no argument about it, and if anyone tried to tell you otherwise, you'll be able to put them in their place. Just pick something, even if it comes down to your age, your sex, the color of your eyes, an experience you had. Just pick something that you know is 100% true. Got that? Cool. Right, I want you to notice how that makes you feel when you think about it. Where is the feeling in your body? Do you see a picture of this or maybe a movie? Whereabouts is it? Point at it. Is it close to you or is it far away? Is it straight in front of you? Or is it to the left? Or is it just right? Are you in the picture, or this movie, or are you looking at it through your own eyes? Is it in full colour, or is it black and white? Is there a border around it or not? Are there any sounds or noises going on when you see this thing that you're certain of? Just notice all these things that you see, you hear, and you feel when you're in this place of 100% certainty. Okay, come back to now, shake that off. Now how cool was that? Just feeling certain. Let's do this again, but this time, let's think about that belief I gave you, that being with you is the best choice that anyone can make. Just think about that belief. Notice, how does that make you feel when you think about it? Where is the feeling in your body? Do you see a picture of this? Or maybe a movie. Whereabouts is it? Point at it. Is it close to you or far away? Is it straight in front of you? Or to the left? Or is it just right? Are you in the picture or this movie? Or are you looking at it through your own eyes? Is it in full colour? Or black and white? Is there a border around it? Or not? Are there any noises or sounds going on? when you see this belief that being with you is the best choice that anyone can make. Just notice all these things that you see, you hear, and you feel when you begin to think that being with you is the best choice that anyone can make. Okay, come back to now and shake that off. Now how was that different from when you felt certainty? What I want you to do is change your representation about being with you is the best choice that anyone can make to more what the one was when you were feeling certainty. Put the feeling you had of certainty to when you were thinking about the new self-belief affirmation. If certainty was a movie, then make self-belief a movie. If certainty is in full HD surround sound colour, then put self-belief in the same representation. And just notice what happens. Is being with you the best decision anyone can make? What I've done is I've put together a quick exercise template for you that you can download at the same time here. And it's got these questions on it. 
What I want you to do is basically fill in the first certainty exercise. Fill in how you feel when you think about the new self-belief. And just notice the difference between the two. And start tweaking your self-belief to be the same as when you feel certainty. This is the end of module one. I hope you've really enjoyed it so far. Make sure you actually do the exercises. Don't just listen to this and walk away and not do it. Because the magic really happens when you take action. What I want you to do is... Let me know how you get on. That If you look at the top of the member site, you'll see a Ask John a question section. You can communicate with me through that. You can ask me questions. Just give me some feedback. And what I'll do is, any questions you've got, I'll do a short additional recording for you that I'll also put up in the member zone. So not only do you benefit for your own, you benefit from anyone who joins this, this round of the program as well. So please sit and make sure you take action off of this and I'll speak to you next week when we move on to module two which is all about opportunities I'll speak to you soon welcome to module two of the step up speak out program in module one you discovered a way to build more certainty into your life to give you that bit more courage to step up and do the things instead of letting fear paralyze you in this module you're going to learn about being open to the opportunities that you already have in your life each and every day. You may have heard me tell a story of me running along a wall in front of my house when I was a child. It was quite narrow and I used to have lots of fun seeing how quickly I could run up and down it. One day my mum saw what I was doing and came running out of the house shouting, Jonathan, Jonathan, be careful, you might fall and break your arm. All of a sudden I looked down, started to wobble and for the life of me, wasn't able to run up and down the wall without almost falling off. I became scared of breaking my arm, and this affected my ability to do what I'd previously been doing without a problem. Now, the advice my mother gave me made perfect sense. The problem was, it changed my perception of a situation from being fun to dangerous. I hadn't even thought of falling off the wall, and now I was seeing an image of me in pain, sitting in A&E with my arm in a sling. If I say to you now, don't think of a pink elephant with wings. What happens? Do you have to make a picture of a pink elephant with wings in order to not think about it? My good friend Vince always tells me about the first time he saw his car in the showroom and he knew it was the car for him. He hadn't seen one like it before and thought he would be the only person in the world to be driving this particular model. But then, two hours later, after driving it for a bit, he noticed many other people had exactly the same car as him. If I said to you how many yellow cars have you seen today, you would most likely say none. But if you were to go out for a few hours now and I asked you again later, you would have probably seen at least one yellow car. In fact, I've actually seen a couple of yellow cars myself go past the window since I started this recording. The point I'm making here is that all these things are going on in the world all the time. The key is that you only notice what is relevant to you when it becomes significant. When a smoker walks into a newsagent, the first thing they will see is the cigarettes behind the counter. But a non-smoker has probably never given much thought to where the cigarettes are. I had this in my previous job that I mentioned in Module 1. I used to love that job, when it was about dealing with customers, making sales and getting results. But as I developed and became more senior, my focus was more on jumping through the hoops to show people I was good enough and I put less focus on actually doing the work I was supposed to be doing. Getting a promotion became an obsession to me. It was the only way I could prove that I was good enough. 
the promotion was both relevant and significant to me. There was a lot of pain attached to it and a lot of urgency. Nothing was more important to me. Everything else in my life was irrelevant apart from proving my worth to this company. As I was quite tightly sprung at this point in my life, I had developed this nasty habit of putting other people down to try and make myself look better. And trust me, this is never a good idea. It just shows you up to be insecure. It was another good friend of mine, David, who pointed this out to me, gave me a bit of a lesson in life. I called him something rude and I really put him down in front of someone else. But he just put his hand on my shoulder and said to me, It's a good thing I know I'm awesome, John, because that was really rude. And he just smiled at me. He had control of the situation. He didn't want to play my game. He played to his own rules, much like David did against Goliath that I mentioned in Module 1. Whatever happens in the world, there's only one person responsible for how it's recorded into your memory, and that is you. Every bit of information you take in either gets deleted, generalised or distorted in line with what is significant and relevant to you at that very point in time. These are your filters to the world and your filters will change constantly. You can easily be influenced and let others control how your filters work or you can stand up for yourself by saying enough is enough. You must take control of what you see in the world. Your brain will not really know the difference between reality and make-believe if you learn to store your memories with certainty about what you want to bring into your life. You control what is significant and what is relevant to you at all times. I could at this point start going on about how you've got to have goals in your life and that goals are the breakfast of champions, but I'm really not going to patronise you about how to set goals as that's not what this programme is really about. I'm more interested in you understanding how you control your destiny. If you do not know what you want from life at the moment, then you are not in control of your destiny. You are just drifting letting life happen to you. And that's fine, there's nothing wrong with that, but only as long as you're happy. If you're not happy, you really do need to work out what will make you happy and start enjoying yourself. Let's look at this another way. Say you go into a taxi and the taxi driver turns around and says, Where to, boss? You wouldn't turn around and say, I don't know. The driver will just look at you as if you were mad and tell you to get out of the cab. But what if you did know where you wanted to go? Say you were going on holiday and flying from Heathrow. When asked by the cabbie, where to, boss? You wouldn't turn around and say, I don't want to go to Gatwick, please, would you? You would say, take me to the departures lounge at Heathrow Airport, please, so I can check in for my flight on time. All you need for a goal is to say what you want in positive terms, when you want to do it by and understand why it's significant and important to you right now. For me, right now, I'll be honest, I need to lose some weight, but no matter how hard I try, I never really stick to it for more than two weeks. After that, food becomes more significant to me than doing exercise. However, I look back to when I was 21, and I lost five stone in six months. At the time, I wasn't really earning very much money, so saved every penny I could. I lived on frankfurters, rice and milk and I went on a five mile run every day just so I couldn't spend any money while I was doing it. And why did this happen? Simple, because money became more significant than food to me at that point in time. At every point I have achieved something in my life, it has been because it was the most significant and relevant thing to me at that time. It would be the only thing I focused on and I would focus on it until it was completed in full and I had achieved the result I wanted. And this is the state of flow I mentioned before. 
where the challenge and interest is in perfect balance for you to perform effectively. I'm sure you've heard of the law of attraction before, or perhaps read the book called The Secret. This is all about focusing on what you want to bring into your life. And the reason The Secret became so popular wasn't because of some magical power entering the world. It was just more people using more common sense. Like I said about the yellow cars or the pink elephants with wings, what you focus on is more likely to happen as you become aware of the opportunities to help you get what you want. In his book Prometheus Rising by Robert Anton Wilson, he introduces Orr's Law. This law states what the thinker thinks, the prover proves. This is about your human nature taking over on instinct. Humans are goal-seeking creatures with two sides of the brain. One side, the thinker, leads us with the ideas of how you can lead your life. And whatever the thinker says, the prover will seek to make it happen as if it's 100% true and that it must be made reality without fail. So if you tell a kid who is walking along a wall not to fall, all of a sudden they think of falling, and the prover is proving what the thinker is now about to think as true. When a toddler falls over and everyone starts rushing around asking if they're okay, they think they must have hurt themselves, so the thinker thinks pain, so the prover goes, I must start crying. You must take control of your thinker so your prover kicks in to give you what you want. You have to feed your neurology the food it needs to power you correctly. For example, if I said Paul Gascoigne to you, what springs to mind? A drunkard? A footballer? An alcoholic? A wife beater? To me, when I hear the words Paul Gascoigne, I remember being at Wembley Stadium in 1991. I remember being surrounded by 40,000 Spurs fans, standing next to my stepdad when he bent down to me and said, This is in, son. And then Paul Gascoigne stepped up and spanked in a free kick against Arsenal in the FA Cup semi-final. My thinker so believes Gazza was the best ever player that my prover will find all evidence to support this. Let's take baked beans. I cannot stand them. You, however, might think they're the food of gods. To me, when I think, hear or smell baked beans, I just remember the image of having a fork full of them being shoved in my face and being stabbed in my tongue when I was three years old. I think beans are the root of all evil. You may not. It's just two words, baked and beans, but they're two words that give me an experience of my reality. Everyone is different, but unless you know what gets your thinker working positively, so your prover kicks in to bring you what you want, you really are not going to be in control of your life. You'll always be playing the games of other people, and if it's not your game, you don't control the rules, and so there's very little chance of winning. So the exercise of this module is about getting you focused on what you want to bring into your life. I want you to discover the things that are actually significant and relevant to you right now to feed your thinker the right food. This exercise will enable you to stop feeding your thinker untrue rubbish about your life that really isn't helping you get what you want. This is the exercise that became my new source of comfort when times were tough. For example, when I first did this exercise, I'd just quit my job and was technically unemployed. My old job was not significant or relevant 99% of the time, yet on the odd occasion when lack of money did become significant, I had my doubts whether quitting had been the right decision. With hindsight, I stuck to my guns and proved that I made the right decision. At the time I quit my job, the most significant and relevant thing to me was actually getting over my shyness around women. Imagine being 27, spending six years as a senior manager in a big company, 
yet without my fancy job title, was a mere mortal against women. I thought I was a no one and didn't believe anyone would want to be with me. This was my one thing to focus on and sort out in my life. I needed to feed my thinker food that enabled the prover to prove I was a great catch for everyone. It enabled me to believe that being with me is the best choice that anyone can make. You can see where that affirmation came from now. As I said a second ago, hindsight is a wonderful thing. If I hadn't quit my job, thrown away my armour of being an important manager for a big company, reduced myself to living without much money, I would not have discovered what was truly important and significant to me. And most importantly, I would never have been on the bus on that day at 3.30 in the afternoon when I saw a girl sitting there and decided right there and then that I had just met the girl that I was going to marry. And 18 months later, we were married. And I can also say I wake up happy each and every day knowing I found what I wanted from life. But back to the exercise. How did I keep my focus on what I wanted from life? Well, this is what I did, and it's what I want you to do as well. As I wasn't working at the time, I decided to give my house a bit of a spring clean. And in my spare room was lots of unused Christmas wrapping paper. I mean, it was June by now. And I had piles of lads mags like Loaded and Nuts and hundreds of football match programs from about the 400 games I'd been to in the previous 20 years took the wrapping up paper and sallotaped it blank side up to my patio door. The neighbours might have found this a bit odd, but I didn't really care by then what other people thought of me. I then went through all my magazines, and every time I saw a picture of something I either wanted as a material possession, or, or when I looked at that picture, that I thought, yes, that's something that really inspires me, I cut it out. After going through all the magazines, I then one at a time held up each picture and asked myself, is this actually important to me? And is it something I really want in my life? If it was something I did really want, I stuck it to the wrapping paper on the patio door. If it was just something I thought might be cool or, or I didn't really want, I would bin it. Once finished, I had this amazing collage of images that made me very excited when I looked at it. There was a picture of the car I wanted and a house I liked, all very material stuff. Then there was this picture of a sharply dressed man in a suit with a red tie that I thought would be really awesome as he just like looked so powerful and I wanted that. For each and every picture, I went through a little process of making this little movie in my mind of what my life would be like if this was already true for me, as if I already had this. I was feeding my thinker this rich, exciting information that made me drool with excitement. So there was this amazing collage with a nice little story behind each image of what I wanted in my life, of how I wanted it to be like once I had all of this. And I called this my mind movie board. I then took it a step further by doing my daily certainty tapping affirmations while looking at my mind movie board. Not only did this boost how I felt right now, I was amazed at how many opportunities were right in front of me already to get these things that I wanted. At the beginning of 2009, I moved house, and this was a couple of years on from when I originally did my My Movie Board. I was unpacking, and I found the folded-up piece of Christmas wrapping paper that was my Mind Movie Board. So I unfolded it, and I took a trip down memory lane. And I was actually quite shocked when I looked at the images on there, as I can say safely that about 90% of these images on that back of a piece of unused Christmas wrapping paper had actually come true. What was really, really shocking, though, on my mind movie board was a picture of a girl. And guess what? The girl in the image looks very similar to my wife. As did the house, as did the blue car, 
as did my wardrobe full of sharp suits and red ties. Can anyone predict the future? No, you can't. What you can do, though, is make the decisions now that will impact your life in 10 years' time. To start making those decisions, you need to open your eyes to the opportunity that will give you what you want. So go ahead now, get hold of exercise two, make your own mind movie board, get those little success movies into your mind, and keep doing the daily certainty affirmations. Welcome to module three of the Step Up Speak Out program. So far, you have learned a powerful way to trigger the feeling of certainty, so please make sure you do the tapping affirmations and practicing the certainty shift exercises daily, as these exercises are like going to the gym. The more you do them, the bigger and stronger the muscle will get. Nothing puts that aura of confidence out there like being a person of certainty. In module two, you look to opening your eyes to the opportunities out there to help you get what you want in your life. Once you know what you want to focus on in life, your chances of success will go up about a thousand percent because you've just taken the first step to be in complete control of your life. So let's move on to module three now. I've already gone through the importance of self-belief and the messages that you tell yourself each day. And whatever those messages have been to date, they've got you to where you are right now. And I've got some good news for you. Go celebrate, go give yourself a pat on the back, as you have managed to successfully get up and live, breathe and do things as a human for however long you have been alive. There is nothing wrong with you right now. The only thing that needs to shift is how you focus on life and record your memories. So far in this program, I've had people apologising to me for being dumb as they feel like that for having to email me for more help. What the hell is that all about? Why are you apologising when asking questions is the behaviour of a very smart person? You have acknowledged you need some help to learn something and you have, with certainty, asked someone who knows the answer you need help for. This is a characteristic of a highly effective person, modelling success, not that of a dumb person. I've had another person say to me they don't know how to create a mind movie board as they don't think they've ever achieved anything. Yet at the same time, they're telling me that they're living a mortgage-free life, they're happily married with grown kids and have done amazing things like run six marathons. Yet my God, anyone who has raised kids into mature adults, you've got to have achieved one of the greatest things in life. Why would you moan that you don't have natural skills when it comes to something like driving and think this is the end of the world, when you're naturally a great singer who got quite far in a competition called The X Factor here in the UK and you've got amazing feedback from Simon Cow himself? The problem is that you are focusing your significance and relevance onto the wrong things. You're not taking learnings and discovering what positives can be drawn from any situation you have gone through in life. And it's the focusing your significance onto painful memories that stops you moving forward. Just think, a stationary object takes a lot of effort to get moving, but an object already in motion can quickly and easily speed up. Pain will paralyse you. Learning and being wise about your life means you become flexible, confident and ready to pounce on opportunities that you need when they come up. When I was about 10 years old, I was quite a big fat fatty. And I remember my stepdad telling me that girls don't like fat blokes. So I went through another 11 years with that self-belief that because I was fat, I would never meet the girl of my dreams. So I was just like, why bother trying? 
When I got to 21, I finally accepted that meeting a girl might be more interesting than how many hot dogs I can eat in one day. I lost lots of weight, and I mean like five stone in about six months. And what did I learn? That my size was irrelevant to meeting girls, so I was just as useless at talking to women as I was when I was fat. And why did that happen? It was because I never learned anything other than being a shy around women because I didn't believe they would like fat blokes. I never learned what would happen if I did actually talk to a girl that I liked. I never discovered that I might not go bright red, or my brain might not explode as I thought would happen. I actually acknowledge it came down to how much I valued myself, and whether I was an interesting person to be around in the eyes of that person. And then further learnings then taught me that if I wasn't interesting to that person, then why would I change to impress someone who doesn't like what I like, because that would just lead to a doomed relationship. The more action I took, the more I learned, the more courage I got, the more opportunities I took, and that would all help me get to where I am now. So where you are now, and shaping your perception of how you got there, is key to where you will go next. Accept it, and stay as you are right now, or start learning and taking more action. You might have heard of Carl Jung, he's a Swiss psychiatrist, and he talks about spiritual laws. There's one in particular that states, what you resist, persists. What he meant by this is when you push against or resist something you don't want in life, the more power you give it. So for example, if you were anti a certain politician, the more focus on wanting them to be removed from power, the more angry you get, the more you resent them and so on. And this isn't healthy for you. You just become consumed by your focus on this person to the exclusion of anything else. The problem is focusing on this person won't actually get you what you want. It just gives you more of what you don't want, more hatred and anger as you start focusing more on this person, your anti. To get rid of this particular politician, you need to be pro the politician you want in power and support him. Enjoy what this person is saying, what you like about them, and embrace that positive energy. Don't be anti or against something, you need to be pro something else. My work background is in sales. And I learned early on that you never win business by putting your competition down. It just leaves a bad taste in the client's mouth that you come across as this backstabbing two-faced person. When I struck the big multi-million pound deals like the Halfords or Thorntons, it was because I was certain that doing business with me was the best choice that client could make. And I made sure they had the evidence to support my certainty in that claim. Remember my friend I mentioned in module 2 that I put down in front of another person and how he just brushed it off? How do you think I looked in the eyes of the person I was putting him down to? That's right. They thought I was a sore-faced loser with no manners, yet my friend who I was putting down became stronger as he was certain in his behaviour to not accept my insults. I remember once saying to my colleague at work that I didn't want to get his cold that he had and I focused on not getting a cold. I went and brought some day and night nurse pills and sat there aggressively not getting a cold. And what happened? I got a damn cold, of course. I was fighting getting a cold so much that my brain went into this, right, you want a cold and you can have one, as my brain just couldn't process the negation of not wanting a cold. You might have heard of placebos before. This is where doctors give patients a tablet saying, this will make you better. At this point, the patient stops fighting the illness and accepts they will get better. And guess what? 
they do get better, despite not actually taking anything more than some crushed up herbs in this little plastic capsule. So I want you to establish what are you resisting right now in your life? What are you holding on to as an excuse not to change? What is it that's become your security blanket and stops you having to move forward into the unknown? Mine was that my job kept me so busy I didn't have time to meet women. This gave me the excuse to hold on to my belief that as I was fat I wouldn't meet a girl. As long as I had the job of being a big, important, powerful manager with no spare time, I didn't have to focus on facing women on a relationship basis. And this was the reason why I had to quit my job and just walk out. The longer I stayed there, the more I resisted changing, and the biggest issue I had persisted. What happened next was actually really cool after I quit my job. You see, I wasn't working, I just accepted that I was rubbish at meeting women. I accepted this and it put me firmly in control of the issue. I was able to clearly and concisely say what my problem was. And the more I said it and admitted to it, the sillier it sounded. And then I got to the point where I could actually laugh at myself. And what happens when you laugh? You release feel-good chemicals into your body, like endorphins, and start feeling good about yourself. When I discovered this, I decided to take it a step further. When I said my problem out loud, I said it in the style of Mickey Mouse. So I would admit my problem, let's for example say I'm fat so I can't meet women. Then I would say it like Mickey Mouse. I would go, I'm fat so I can't meet women. I'm fat so I can't meet women. I'm fat so I can't meet women. <laughs> and, and then I would do other silly things like say it with my finger up my nose. So I'd go, I'm fat so I can't meet women. I'm fat so I can't meet women. I'm fat so I can't meet women. Just try it for yourself. If you do something or change something about that experience or memory, about how it plays out, and add a bit of humour to take the power away from a bad message, it just changes massively how you feel about it. So, okay, let's get back to being a bit more serious now. You cannot take your problem as serious if you add humour to it. It's just impossible. When you're doing that Mickey Mouse thing or well, got your fingers up your nose, how can you possibly be serious? And that's the message it records into your brain. This is all possible when you just admit and accept your problem. You stop resisting it and start looking for solutions instead. I have a few more techniques like this to help you that will just help you change your belief. Remember I said before I'm very confident when taking a penalty during a football match. When taking a penalty I'm able to shut out all the voices in my head so they don't distract me with things like miss, 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 you won't score, you're rubbish. And to shut them up I've learned a little trick and it's very, very simple. All I have to do to shut them up, these voices in my head, is put the tip of my tongue on the roof of my mouth. You see, in order to hear voices in your head, you actually have to make those sounds. You cannot hear them as they're just tiny, tiny little vibrations in your tongue. But if you put your tongue to use by putting the tip of your tongue on the roof of your mouth, you will notice that everything goes very, very quiet in your head. Go ahead and try it now. Think of something bad, and as you hear those voices in your head, just put the tip of your tongue on your mouth. Notice what happens. Cool, huh? 
and that technique is very discreet and easy to use unlike the mickey mouse technique of course which is a little bit obvious and uh, louder and out there or sticking your fingers up your nose where people obviously can frown upon that in today's society if they don't actually understand what you're doing another technique is acknowledging the feeling in your body and just saying thank you for letting me know this is like dancing with the devil himself when a pain comes apparent to you instead of hitting the panic button you grab it and just go with it you take all the power away from it so try it now think of a limiting self-belief and notice where that feeling appears in your body and when you've acknowledged that just say thank you and notice what happens it's interesting isn't it okay let's try another idea let's think of another limiting self-belief I will take, for example, cold calling prospects as something I really hate doing. Okay, when I think about that, I get this feeling in my head and it's quite overwhelming. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take that feeling and move it to my stomach. Okay, and that's changed how I feel. Everything has now gone very calm on the inside for me. I'm feeling a lot more balanced instead of weighted all at the top of my head. Yeah. So just try that for yourself. Think of something you're scared to do and notice where that pain is. And when you've got it, just move it to somewhere else in your body and notice how you feel different when you do that. Just try that now. So that again is something that's pretty cool, very simple technique. Just by changing little things about how you're experiencing a memory you can make massive changes to how you feel about that past event. Before I move on to the main exercise of this module, it's called the smash and grab technique. I want to take you through a quick way of discovering how you code your memories. Firstly, I need you to pick something that you feel very confident and sure about. Follow through with my example first, then use the exercise sheet after to do this for yourself. Okay, so example of being confident. I'll pick taking a penalty during a football match. When I think about taking a penalty, I see a movie, it's big and bold and bright and it's like an HD telly like I'm watching it on a big super cinema screen and I'm not actually in this movie I'm seeing it through my own eyes I can see me holding the ball in my hands I can see me bending down to put it on the spot and stepping back to preparing to take the kick I look up and I see the keeper and I feel sorry for him as I know he's got no chance of saving this penalty he's going in and this movie, it's in the top right of my vision, it's very close up to me, it's very, very quiet. There's only this voice in my head saying, this is a goal, a very strong and confident voice. And I have this feeling in my stomach that's very still, that's very calming and assured. So yeah, that's a very, very positive feeling for me when I think about taking a penalty. That's something you know, I've got a lot of confidence about. What I'm going to do next now is I'm going to pick something that's just completely irrelevant to me. Something I don't have any feelings about, whether it's positive or negative. And let me just pick, okay, something, yeah, okay, I'm going to pick a washing machine because that's just meaningless to me. And when I think about a washing machine, I see a small picture. It's like a photo with a whiteboard around it, like one of those old Polaroid cameras where it instantly spits the pictures out. It's black and white. And when I look at it, I just shrug and hear a meh kind of noise because it just really isn't important to me, this picture. And this 
pictures located in the bottom left of my vision and it's kind of down where my hand naturally hangs in that natural position and it's a bit of a distance away so it's quite small and I can't really tell what's going on so yeah when I think about a washing machine there's definitely a feeling of nothing that's there when I go through that experience so what I've done there now is I've worked out how to I code two feelings of confidence and insignificance so I'm going to do a little experiment now where I'm going to take me confidently taking a penalty and change it to the code for insignificance. So I change it from a movie in full colour to a little black and white photo and I'll move it from the top right of my vision down to that bottom left position where my hand naturally hangs. Hmm. Okay, well I don't really feel anything about taking a penalty anymore because I don't really care about it when it's put that way. Let's put that back in the top right because I don't think my teammates will appreciate me being the penalty taker and missing a penalty if I have to take one. <laughs> right, so did you get how that worked? I switched the code and made something that was significant to me, taking a penalty, and made it insignificant. Okay, you've got that. I hope that's really clear. Because we're going to take this a step further now. Think of a bad experience and run through how you code that. So I'm going to pick baked beans as I absolutely cannot stand them and I just think they're the root of all evil in my eyes. So I'm thinking about baked beans. Okay, I'm getting a small movie located just under my chin and yeah, it's very uncomfortable. I can see, oof, yeah, I can see beans gurgling in bean juice. Oh, I'm feeling pretty sick in my stomach right now. There's cold taste in my mouth and down my throat and it's really, really not nice at all. And I'm kind of getting an ick and a voice in my head. It's coming from behind me as well, that noise. And it's making me feel very cringe and tight in the shoulders. So I'm going to actually stop thinking about that now as it's, well, it's gross, to be completely honest. I don't like it at all. So I want to make baked beans insignificant to me now. As this hatred I've got of them actually serves me no purpose because I do accept that beans don't really do anything bad. In all honesty, I just don't particularly like them. So I'm going to move that movie that I have of baked beans and turn it into a picture and move it to the bottom left position where I thought of the washing machine. I'm going to make it black and white and add that meh and kind of shrug. Okay, yeah, my feelings have changed. I'm not getting that sick feeling when I'm thinking of baked beans. And that's pretty cool because that was, really was a gross feeling when I did that. So what I've done now is I've got the locations and codes for how I experience confidence grossness and insignificance and now you also know how to change the code of what you like in one part or what you need from one part to change it into another and you change the feelings so if I take the gurgling from the baked beans feeling and add it to me taking a penalty yeah I, I don't feel as confident as my stomach's just not feeling solid anymore which I did have when I was feeling confident right so that was it you just had a masterclass in cracking the code of your memories Go back and listen to it again if needed, but just make sure you totally understand as this is a key part to the smash and grab technique, as well as being something very, very useful for you to do at any time in your life. So here's how it works. This is the smash and grab technique. Pick your confident memory, pick your insignificant memory, and pick your bad memory. And just run through each of them as we, I did above on my examples of taking a penalty, baked beans and the washing machine. And just work out what's your code for each of them in terms of the, the, the characteristics behind it. Then my first thing I want you to do is take your bad memory and recode it to that of the insignificant memory. 
and just notice how that feels and make sure you've done all that correctly. Now stand up and be tall and get confident by looking at your confident memory and just notice that the bad memory is now in that place of insignificance. So you can see your confident memory and you're just acknowledging that your bad memory is now there in the insignificant place. Now, as you look at that picture of the bad memory, decide which weapon for you, for you would be quite cool to just completely destroy and annihilate that picture. So maybe you want to pick up an imaginary hammer to smash it into pieces, or maybe you want to get a blowtorch that you're just going to annihilate it by melting it. Maybe you just fancy screwing it up and ripping it all up and throwing it away. Pick up whatever's good for you. That when you look at that picture, you think, you know, this would be a really good weapon to destroy that picture. And I'm going to look at my image of baked beans, and I'm going to pick a hammer, as I fancy smashing the evil baked beans into a million pieces. So, have you got your weapon now? Good. Now, what I want you to do is, with your weapon in one hand, and your other hand free, yell smash, or whatever noise is appropriate with your weapon of choice. And at that moment, totally annihilate the bad memory, so you can see it being destroyed. Then with your free hand, pull your confidence memory in close so it totally overwhelms you and just becomes really, really good feelings for you. I want you to do this about six or seven times. So, ready, weapon in one hand, free hand ready to grab your confidence memory and go. Smash. 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 And each time just annihilate destroy the insignificant bad memory and just enjoy the feelings of great God. wow I'm, so, I'm actually feeling really good now I'm, I'm kind of really just want to go and get a football and start taking penalties and kicking it around and yeah I don't care about baked beans and it's quite a cool feeling so just keep practicing this one re-listen to this module and make sure you totally get it it's one of the most powerful techniques I ever teach people so just keep practicing this one it's called the smash and grab technique I want you to smash and grab as many memories as you need to until you feel your job is done and that certainty of where you are right now is just making you feel really, really good. Welcome to Module 4 of the Step Up Speak Out program. This module is probably my favourite to work with my clients on as it often seems the biggest breakthrough moment I get when coaching people. The top reason my clients have not got control of their lives is because... For some random reason, they've surrendered responsibility to someone else. This module looks at how you view the situations in life to show you how you can stop letting these people control you. I want to take you from this place of fear, confusion and that annoying frustration that eats away at you every time you just give in to other people. And I will show you how to say no with confidence or just how to let rip about how you feel in a way others will respect you. That is something really cool to just go and do. Either grab a pen and paper or go somewhere where you're alone and just let it all out. Write and write until there's nothing more to say or just yell and scream until it's all out. You'll be amazed how doing this helps you make sense of where you are right now. Once you admit a problem, you suddenly become more in control of it. Later in this module, I'm going to show you three of my absolute best techniques in dealing with these people who control you. I'm going to give you examples of three people who caused me massive issues in my life for various reasons and how I got a result I needed at the end of it that allowed me to take responsibility for my actions. 
When it comes to dealing with other people, there are three mistakes I discovered that I was consistently making when dealing with these particular people. Through this whole program, the message I've been giving you is that the quality of your life is in the quality of your communication. And the starting point for this is not how you communicate with others, it's how you communicate with yourself first. If you treat yourself right and are your own best friend, people will treat you in the same manner. If you treat yourself badly, people will do likewise. Again, it's a reap what you sow principle. So from my experience, I learned three really important ways to help me communicate with myself better to regards to dealing with these people who controlled me. The first big mistake I make was to make assumptions. Instead of having the courage to step up and say what I wanted to say, I would shy away and never actually find out the reason why whatever happened had happened. So I always assumed and guessed why people acted the way they acted. I never actually learned anything real or meaningful. And therefore, the context my world was built on wasn't very strong. It was not based on fact, it was based on fiction. And lousy negative fiction at that. Robert Cialdini wrote a book called Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion. It's worth reading as it's full of case studies and examples of how people have natural triggers to respond in certain ways. After reading this book, I don't think I've actually ever looked at advertising in the same way, actually. Cialdini created six principles of influence where one was about consistency and commitment. And to build commitment and consistency, what you can do is give people reasons that help them support their decisions. I mean, of course, you always load them in your favour. Sneaky, sneaky tactic. An example of this is, and it's more so in America, that an engagement ring should be the value of two months' salary. And where did this come from? It was actually from the jewellery company De Vere's who created an advertising campaign. There was no actual reason behind it other than boosting sales. However, this campaign is so strong, people do believe that a cost of an engagement ring should be two months' salary. In the 1970s, a well-known shampoo brand created an advert telling people to treat themselves with two dollops of shampoo when washing their hair. Now, was this for health reasons or for shinier hair? No, it was so people used more shampoo and needed to buy more quickly. It was just to boost sales. Yet people would use two dollops of shampoo as it was seen the right thing to do. People love reasons. It makes life easier for them if they can just reel off any old reason. And as long as they believe it, it works for them. So just think, how about you can use the word because when trying to find meaning? This can be applied to you personally. When something bad has happened to you, do you actually go and find the reasons for what happened? Or do you say nothing and just assume the answer? Do you go and find a because to your situation that turns whatever happened into something positive? Assuming things is bad as it gives you no real context to base your life on. Eventually this leads to a lack of confidence and just feeling completely out of control. And if you're low on confidence, any further assumptions will just continue to make your life a negative experience and make it a lot, lot worse. At one point in my life, I did just assume everything. I think it hugely led to me being in the mental mess I got myself into. I remember when I broke out the pattern actually. At this time, I was in a complete rebound relationship. I was a complete mess of a man. And eventually, this girl I was seeing broke up with me. Instead of just assuming it was because I was a mess, I actually asked for a reason this time. Sure enough, she responded. 
Sure, you're a lovely guy, John, but you're just too wet. Now, I'd just done my NLP and hypnosis training, and I'd, I'd learned a bit about language patterns. And one such technique was about how the word but can change the meaning of a sentence. So I was sitting there, just having been dumped for being too wet, feeling sorry for myself when my brain kicked in. Where I was told I'm a lovely guy, but just too wet, I remembered a technique called the butt flip. I just suddenly said back to her, so... I'm just too wet, but I'm a lovely guy. And this girl went, yes, you're a lovely guy. And seemed to forget about the wet bit and changed her mind about breaking up with me. You see, when you use the word but, you negate whatever was said before it. This is a little technique you can use to change the meaning of the experiences in your life. Just make sure the positive part of the statement comes after the word but, not before it. So, imagine you worked in sales and someone said... I really love your product, but I'm a bit busy now. If you use the butt flip and say, okay, you're a bit busy now, but you love the product, can you see all of a sudden it changes the meaning? Play with this one and think about how you can use the word because when communicating with yourself and other people to eliminate making assumptions. And then think about how you can use the word but. The two very, very powerful words, but and because. The second core concept here that I want to go through is, is about accepting that it's not other people that need to change, it's only you. You cannot control what other people do. Sure, you can influence them as they can influence you back, but it's always your choice in how you respond. My stepdad is a good example here. He always has to make sure that he has to be seen as being powerful. He was a very successful businessman and he had a very powerful title of being a very successful managing director. But when he retired, all of a sudden he lost that status. And so he started running the family life as if he was the MD. He was being the bulldog old school businessman, but in the completely wrong environment where we weren't used to him being like this and it wasn't familiar. Now at first, uh, this was irritating and I'd blame him for being a control freak. And this just caused more friction. But when I stepped back and re-looked at the situation... Instead of thinking he was doing it out of being a control freak, maybe he was just doing it because he was struggling to get used to his new unfamiliar lifestyle of not working so hard and always being responsible. All of a sudden, I became more accepting of his behaviours instead of getting wound up by them. I was more relaxed when he was around, and in turn, he was more relaxed and gradually became more used to his new lifestyle. So I didn't need to change him to get the result I wanted. I had to change myself and go there first. By doing this, it allowed him to change what he needed to change as well. Remember in the last module, I said about what you resist persists. Well, just accepting the situation and focusing on what I wanted, instead of fighting against what was already there, everyone got the result they wanted, happiness at home. Another example I can share with you is about my life as a salesman. If I've ever been feeling unsure on certain about a deal, I've never closed it. Yet when I'm certain and confident, I always close a deal. I do believe this is solely down to people picking up on my state. I mean, would you ever buy something from an unsure salesman? If they couldn't wholeheartedly recommend it, you know, if you said to them, is this any good? And they went, well, it's alright. It's not really a convincing sales pitch. So have a think about that one. The third mistake I used to make a lot was not to say what I actually wanted just to avoid upsetting people and not getting into conflict. I used to sacrifice my own happiness for that of others. There you go, get your violins out. Poor old John went without 
just to please other people. Well, was this actually reality? Not really. So the more I gave up doing what I wanted to do, the more unhappy I became. The more unhappy I was at being frustrated, the more arguments and situations of conflict I actually got into. So it turned into a complete paradox of a situation. So at work, I would avoid getting into who could shout louder wins the contest by giving in to the loudest person, only to be the I told you so guy later on, making myself look like an idiot for not saying my piece in the first place. My wife does this a lot where she tries to guess what I'm thinking and answers questions to what she thinks will please me instead of what she actually wants. For example, we've got a lovely cat called Oscar and I'm really pleased we got him. But at the time, I only got him because I thought my wife wanted a cat. And she only got a cat because she thought I wanted one. Luckily, he's a lovely cat. But what if he was a horror? We would have both been constantly blaming each other. Even last Sunday, we sat through two and a half hours of a film called The Watchman, both thinking the other one wanted to watch it, and we were both sitting there thinking it was a load of rubbish and we were bored stiff watching it. Not saying what you think is a bad thing. It just leads to resentment, frustration, confusion and conflict. You are so much better off just saying what will make you happy straight off the bat, then agree a compromise. You'll be happier and therefore a better, more resourceful person to be around. You'll be in a better state and in a better, happy, confident state, you will make better decisions about being in control of your life. Be the person who has high energy in the room to take control, not the person who drains the life out of the room. You know, Don't be one of those energy-sucking vampires that you might see around. I had this at work once. On, on Monday mornings, people were just so freaking miserable and not even talk till lunchtime. It would do my head in. After a month or so of resisting changing this, I reached this enough enough and I made a point of making sure everyone said hello on a Monday morning had to talk about their weekend. As I put it, I said my bit and became the change I wanted to see in the world. So there you have three really cool core concepts that I strongly urge you to apply to your life. Just to recap, that's avoid making assumptions. Become the change that you want to see in the world and influence people that way. And say what you want that makes you happy, then agree a compromise. Don't sacrifice your happiness straight off the bat. This is all to do with perceptions of how you see the world. So now I'm going to give you these three examples I talked about earlier, about people who have controlled me in my life and how I changed the situation. The first example relates to my dad. He was a wonderful man and he always had my best interests at heart and he protected me. Only problem this led to was he became my armour for life. So when I lost my dad, I was exposed and I needed a way to fill this gap. So I came up with something called the new behaviour generator. What I would do is think about a situation I was feeling out of control of and just literally take a step back from it. Literally. And I would look at the situation from the outside. So I was looking at it from a helicopter position as I was on top looking down on what was going on. This allowed me to leave the emotion of situations behind and look at what opportunities I had with a fresh, unbiased approach. I'll take this further and then imagine a role model was standing next to me, helping me to critique the situation. I could then learn from the role model instead of just relying on my dad to help me think what is the best action I could take. So for example of this, um, 
I had to attend a meeting with a customer once due to a major error on the company I'd worked for behalf. I was dreading going because I knew that I was going to be representing the the the, the side in the. I was dreading going because I knew I was representing the side in the role. I just thought it was going to be an hour of kicking my ass with me having to grovel for this company, or, or so I assumed anyway. What I did was to step back and ask myself, how should I actually handle this situation? And then it sprung into my mind just to treat people in the room how I would like to be treated. And that would be with respect. And that alone gave me comfort as an action to take. As if I was going to get my ass kicked, I had no right to take away my dignity away when doing it. So I decided not to let them do that. I then thought, right, I need to man up a bit here as well. Who would be a good person to ask for advice in this situation of walking into a business meeting? So I thought, who's the biggest, toughest SOB in the business world? Alan Sugar popped into my head. I imagined I was standing next to Alan Sugar, and I imagined what he would do in this situation. And what sprung into my mind isn't what I thought it was going to be about manning up and being all hardcore. What actually occurred to me was that in business, relationships are key. And the best outcome of this meeting was to get everyone to see it as a learning curve instead of a failure. This would actually make the relationship stronger and a win-win outcome for both parties. So a pretty good idea, you know, instead of it being a negative, going to kick my ass meeting, there was a real learning potential that was going to go on here. So good idea and it worked. So that's the new behavior generator. Now I'm going to go on to the second technique and I'm going to give you an example where I had a hate-hate relationship with someone at work. Unfortunately for me though, this is the person who was in control of me getting a promotion. And it was someone I had no respect for as I didn't believe they were good enough to make that decision about me. Looking back, I can already see I didn't treat that person in a way that I would have liked to have been treated. So already I've taken a learning there and I put my hands up to it. But this alone wasn't enough in this situation. This person had caused me a lot of stress and grief and I didn't know why. The bigger problem was that I wasn't able to go and talk to this person anymore as I'd left the company. So there was a loose end that needed tying up. I needed to understand from her point of view why she acted the way she acted. At this time I read a book called The Journey by Brandon Bays and she was a remarkable woman who survived cancer and how she changed her views on life. From this book I created a technique called the campfire. I'll close my eyes and get relaxed for a few minutes, just slowly breathing and clearing my mind of all my thoughts. Then, once feeling chilled, I would imagine I was around a campfire, feeling all toasty. I would invite a person to come and talk to me around this campfire in a very non-hostile environment. In this case, I invited this woman to come and talk to me around my campfire about what had happened. By doing this, I was able to work out more useful reasons for this person and how they acted towards me. Instead of her actions being malicious, I just realised they were from a place of fear and being under pressure, and that she was out of her depth without knowing what to do in this situation. And I could relate to that because I was in the same boat and in my job I was under pressure to perform. So this actually allowed to give me a bit more empathy from her situation and what was going on, so I could change my perception of what happened. I no longer felt anger towards her, I could actually empathise with her about being under pressure, so I felt pity on her if anything. The bitterness just evaporated from me and I was able to get on with my life. So that's the campfire technique, again very powerful. The final technique I'm just going to run through with you is called the audition stage. 
And this one is extremely powerful, so use it carefully. In life, you will come across people that will never change. They will never be happy, and they will always look for conflict. Instead of fighting this, you need to accept this about that particular person. I had this with a family member who acted in a way I will never understand, and that is something I have to accept. However, I cannot have this person holding me back in my life and wasting any more of my time. So I needed a technique to help me take all the power away from this person without taking away their dignity. After all, remember, treat people how you would expect to be treated. So think about all the things on your vision movie board from module two, all the opportunities you want to bring into your life, and let's take it a step further. I want you to hold an audition. I think it's a bit like the ones at the X Factor or Britain's Got Talent. People have to convince you they are here to help you achieve what you want. Imagine each person in your life coming up on stage and you have the right to put them in the final or the right to buzz them out. For me, a remarkable thing happened when I did this. Sure enough, I invited this family member onto my imaginary stage to hold this audition as to whether this person was a useful person or not to have in my life. And not a single positive came out right there about that person helping me achieve what I wanted to achieve. So I hit the buzzer and I buzzed them off. And that was that. All that person's power was gone. I knew they were still there, but as they served no purpose to me, it didn't matter. Whatever they said from now on was just insignificant and irrelevant. And the best thing was, the door is always open. The moment they need to re-audition, you can do that again. Either they come back being useful and you welcome them back, or you buzz them back off again and they can come back another time. The best thing about this technique is there's no conflict. You're just giving yourself a rational perception to life. So that's the three techniques for you to go and try. The new behaviour generator, the campfire and the audition stage. So and also remember behind that, never make assumptions, change yourself, not other people, and always say what you want first. Go try them out, take those three core concepts as well. And these tricks are like magic dust for your mind. So really go and do them. I can't emphasize how important they can be in changing your life. Hey there, welcome to module five of the Step Up Speak Out program. Now, before we begin, I'm just going to do a quick recap of what we've covered so far because I've downloaded a whole lot on you. In module one, we looked at the certainty shift and how you can become more secure in yourself and how you have that little bit more belief. So you get that courage that when something you fear comes along, you're prepared to step up and actually give it a go. That's what the courage is. It comes through and allows you to tackle your fear. And the more courage you have that allows you to step up and attack these new opportunities, the more experience you get from actually doing something. And from the more experience you get, the more you learn. And when you learn more, you become better equipped to make decisions because you have more context to hang your life on. And that's where confidence comes from, because you're able to make the decisions based on fact of your life. You have the context. You become the expert on you and what is best for you. In week two, we took it a step further with the My Movie Boards, where it was all about laying the seeds to feed your brain about what you actually wanted. It really allows you to tap into your neurology and use your brain as if it was designed to, as you as being a human. You know, it's looking at your actual human nature. 
And what we're doing is putting in those images and making really real experiences. So your brain naturally starts trying to achieve them instead of feeding it crap and pain for you that you've currently been doing and focusing on. Module three, we then helps you start looking at a bit more positive focus and learning from where you are in your life right now. Because wherever you are, you have lived and breathed for as many years as you've lived. All we needed to do was just shift from looking at the negative in anything happened and get you focusing on the positive. And that's where we introduced the smash and grab patterns that just allowed you to get rid of the crap that was holding you back and just pull in all those powerful energies from the things you actually wanted. You know, really grab those opportunities and feel good. Module four is probably a really profound one because it certainly wasn't when I got here. It was all about handling other people. How do you take away the power from those people that have been controlling you? How do you stop people knocking you down all the time and walking all over you? It really was the true essence of stepping up and speaking out. And I gave you three really powerful techniques and I hope you have used them to full effect because they are pretty amazing. So, you know, that's four really powerful modules we've covered so far, and I think I've worked you pretty hard, and I hope you really have been implementing them. So this week, I'm going to do something a little bit different for you, because I'm actually going to give you the week off, and that's what module five is all about. You see, this week is all about relaxing. It's important to take that time out and recharge your batteries. I mean, let's look at the Bible for starters. What did God do? He built the world and the earth in six days and he took the seventh day off. So right back at the beginning of history that God himself is telling you to take time and enjoy yourself. And this look at something a bit more modern than that, that if you think Eddie Izzard, who's just competed in the sports relief for the UK, this guy rang 42 marathons in 49 days. Well, as unbelievable and amazing as that guy was for doing that and all for charity, and I think he raised almost a million pounds or just over a million pounds. The amazing thing was that he took every seventh day off to relax and recharge. Stephen Covey says it in his book, The Habits of Highly Effective People. It's really important to just take some time out and sharpen the, the saw because you just can't keep going 100 miles an hour all the time. You need to switch off from the pressures of life and recharge. You need to just walk away so you can come back and be more useful. If you're already feeling fed up and frustrated and you don't recharge, don't refresh yourself you're just not in your peak optimum state to perform and things will probably take longer than they would in the first place and you just probably won't enjoy them as much you know you only get one chance of life so if your head's buried in these things you don't enjoy doing you really need to have a good look and think about you know what is it you're actually putting together i can look at this weekend for example i've had a really intense few weeks so me and my wife we went away and we went up to stratford upon avon for the weekend and we just went away just think, no, you know what, let's just switch off, let's not take laptops, let's not have the phones on, let's just go away. One of the things we like doing is looking at historical locations. So we thought, you know, it's not too far away, let's go up and learn a bit more about Shakespeare. We had a lovely time walking around, the, you know, Stratford's a very lovely place, we had a great time walking around there. And I learned the meaning of phrases, you know, how the phrase limey came around for English sailors. Learn about why there's the phrase frog in your throat when you've got a cough. I learned things about Henry VIII only have had two baths in his life, once when he was born, once when he was died. I really enjoy doing these things. It's got nothing to do with my business life or my personal life. It was just time to take some time out and do something I enjoy doing. And I do. I've come back more refreshed and I feel reinvigorated to crack on with everything I've got to get done at the moment. Or I should say, really, everything I've chosen to get done in my life. All I want you to do this week is to identify three things you love doing. 
And a mentor of mine is big on this. This is a guy called Jamie Smart. He always says, do what you love. And it's really important. Because I said, it's your life. If you're not doing what you love doing, really, what are you playing at? It's so important. And I laugh at a lot of people that say to me, oh, I haven't got time to do this, or I haven't got time to that. And I, I get a lot of unsubscribers, if you, that's how you came into my Step Up Speak Out program, say, oh, I don't have time to read your emails. I'm too busy doing the things I hate doing. And it's just like, it's the biggest irony ever that you're not listening to someone who can help you get out of your situation that you don't want to be in. But leaving you stuck doing the things you hate doing at the expense of changing your life around to get what you do love. So this is really important this week that we focus on how can you do something you love doing because you love doing it, not because someone else has told you to love doing it. This really is about doing what you love. For example, if I took someone like Paul McKenna who has been a big influence on how I've learned and how I've done things... I'd be a bit silly to do what he loves doing and expect that I would love doing it because as far as I'm aware, Paul McKenna loves champagne and fancy cars and I'm really not a car person and I don't drink. So if I did something that he loves, it's really not important to me. And if I'm trying to copy someone or just trying to please others, I'm just actually sacrificing my own happiness. And that's not actually fair because it means I'm not happy and anyone that I interact with, they're not going to be happy either. So it's not just you this impacts, it actually impacts everyone in your life because it all affects your happiness. If you're not happy, you're not useful to anyone. I can look right back to my childhood and I remember being, I had a good group of friends that we all lived near each other and when I was younger there was this big craze about having these basketball boots and I think that you could have Brooks or British Knights. And I spent probably about two months saving up my pocket money to get these basketball boots. I got Brooks ones. They were these huge things with this big orange tongue. Looking back at them, completely hideous. But I saved up for two months. I got my Brooks boots and I went running out to see all my friends. And then, look, I've got my Brooks boots. And they just kind of went, oh, yeah, whatever. Because they weren't interested in Brooks boots anymore. The game had changed. It was all about whether you like skateboarding or mountain biking. So there I went. I went and saved all my money up to get a skateboard and to get a mountain bike again two things i didn't really actually have any interest in doing because what i'd rather save my money up would have been to get the new spurs away shirt with paul gascoigne on the back because at that time in my life i thought i was paul gascoigne i absolutely worshipped the guy one of my favorite moments when i did actually do what i loved was the 1991 fa cup semi-final where surrounded by 40,000 spurs fans my stepdad Bent down, whispered in my ear and went, this is in, son. Seconds before Paul Gascoigne stepped up and spanked a free kick in against David Seaman, where these 40,000 people proceeded to go absolutely mental as we went on and won against Arsenal 3-1. And obviously we went on to win the FA Cup. Now, I was more interested in that than a pair of basketball boots, a skateboard or a mountain bike. I love going to Spurs. And I was very lucky because I got to have a season ticket for over 20 years there. And that was what I loved doing in life. It's what helped me chill out and relax. That no matter what was going on in my life, when it was my parents getting divorced or when my dad was really ill and coming up to the end of his life, at least I knew on a Saturday afternoon I could just drive down to London and spend a half a day switched off just focusing on football where nothing else mattered. No one could contact me. No one could talk to me. I was just focusing on football and it didn't matter what else was going on in my life. And what was brilliant is because I could switch off for a few hours, I felt refreshed to come, come back and take on what I did need to sort out. 
I would do it in a lot better manner because I just had that little time to recharge and feel better about myself. So for me, Spurs is my getaway in life. That's me doing what I love. The challenge for you this week is to come up with what do you love doing? And I want you to pick three things that you love doing. So for me, what do I love doing at the moment? Well, I said Spurs for me, whether it's on telly or I get to go and see them live. When Spurs play, my wife knows that's it. That's just some time for me. Leave me alone. Let me watch it and just focus on that. Because she knows I'm in a lot better state afterwards, whether we win or not. I'm in a lot better mood afterwards. I always said I'd like to have a fresh home-cooked meal in the evening that we sit at the table and we eat. And the other thing that I've actually got into since I started this program, is shockingly, is I joined a gym and I'm actually really enjoying doing that for about half an hour a day, just getting into a bit where I lose a bit of breath and break into a bit of a sweat, which actually made me feel a lot better. So at the moment, they're my three things in life, of me doing the things that I love doing because I want to do them. And what I put back to you is... Is any of those three things actually really difficult to do, to follow a football team, to have a fresh cooked dinner that you sit down and eat with your partner or your family each day, and to just do half an hour of exercise when you feel like it? See, three very simple things to do. There's no reason why anyone can't do them right now. But it's about what do you want. So I said, is this week your challenge is to pick three things that you do, that you love, and make them the most important thing in your life to go and do right now. Because I guarantee you, you'll become more relaxed and a better person. So I'm not going to give you an exercise sheet this week for this module because you don't really need one. Because this is, as I said, I'm giving you the week off. It's more about you. But what I have put together for you is I did a 23-minute relaxation program that I'm going to give to you that you can download instead this week. So if you don't know something you want to do, what I will encourage you to do is just say, take that 23 minutes, sit by yourself in a room with your headphones on, just sit back with your eyes closed and relax and just take some time out to stop thinking and just let your body align itself and make sense of what's going on because life is 100 miles an hour so I've given you my relaxation trance that you can just sit back for 23 minutes and switch off and just don't think of anything just have a clear head and I think you'll notice something very interesting will happen when you do that so that's your challenge for this week as I've said it's a very straightforward module you're having a week off but it's all about pick the three things you love doing them and work out your routine so you do them without fail. And then just take some time out for yourself doing a trance, some trancing this week. And just notice how it aligns you slightly in your head and makes things go very quiet and more relaxed for you. Hey there, welcome back. It's module six now. And we're going to look at motivation this week. It's all about going onwards with your life and getting things sorted. Now, first of all, it's I want to give you a pat on the back for getting this far because something ridiculous like people who buy books and cds i think so people who actually get past the third week and up this far it's something ridiculous like only five percent actually get this close to completion so really if you're listening to this give yourself a pat on the back for getting this far because it means you're getting a hell of a lot out of this program and i'm sure that your life's already improving massively so go you now we're looking at motivation this week and last week i looked at you know going away and doing things that you love just to chill out and relax and step away from things but sometimes you do have to come back and look at what you do actually want to do. And what I want you to do is that you think about the opportunities you set back in module two. I want you to really focus on how you're going to actually deliver these. And sometimes you just got to think big but suspend your disbelief at the same time. Because I can look at some examples in the world of people who did some absolutely amazing things. And when you look at it again, how on earth did they do it? For example, you may have heard of a book called The Secret. I've mentioned it before. And in there, one of the 
characters, well, characters is a real life person, is John Martini, And he was in a plane crash where he was given no, basically very little chance to live. And he was lying in hospital, he was in a real you know, broken mess. And he made that decision that he was not only going to live, he was going to walk out of there, despite being told he'll never walk again because he had broken his back. And sure enough, bit by bit he got there, he first of all took the steps to learn to breathe by himself and then he decided to learn how to move his arms and then how to sit up and eventually he went all the way to he walked out of that hospital as he said he would do all because he set a goal big enough that he really wanted that was important to him and he did it and that's something quite amazing another example i'll urge you to go away and read is about team hoyt and that's h-o-e-y-t go google it it's about as father and son team of Dick and Rick. Dick was a father about 55 years old. He'd had a heart attack, very out unfit man. And he had a son who was born with cerebral palsy. And one day he was pushing along in a wheelchair and his son turned around and communicated with him to say that I feel I'm alive when you're pushing me because I can feel the wind in my face. And this overweight 55-year-old man who had had a heart attack then went on and this is absolutely unbelievable. He's done over 1,000 running events, such as Ironman triathlons. And again, just Google if you want to know how bad, the, you know, how big these events are. He not only did them himself, he did them while pushing his son Rick in a wheelchair or pushing him in a dinghy as he was swimming down a river or on top of his handlebars. And he was running marathons in a time that's not too far off as what an actual professional athlete was doing. So like two hours, 40 minutes. So... Pretty unbelievable stuff. I think they've just done something where they drove and they ran and cycled all the whole way across America in 42 days. Again, another unbelievable event. So definitely worth Googling them. That That's something that is suspending your disbelief of how that happened. And let's look at something a bit more modern. Um, and you think Eddie Izzard, who for Sports Relief in the UK, has just run 42 marathons in 49 days. And no, Eddie Izzard, he's not a big athlete. Yet he did it. He suspended his disbelief. He thought big and did something amazing for charity to raise over a million pounds. So when you're looking at your opportunities, you're thinking big, but do, are you prepared to just to suspend your disbelief for that short time to accept that this is possible, it could happen? Because this is the big secret to getting things done. It's your ability to take action. Because if you're standing still, it's very hard to get moving. If you imagine a car, that if you wanted to get a car moving, it takes a lot of energy to get that first movement. But once it's moving, it's a lot easier to keep it going because the wheels are already in motion. And that's the big secret to getting things done, is just to take action. But to get in that first movement could be massive. A lot of people just think and think and think and think, but never take action. Then, you know, moan and complain that nothing ever gets done. If you think the, the book, The Secret, that came out, that it's all about, oh, think about this, think about that, and you're attracting this into your life. And, and to a degree, I, I accept that. But if the opportunities come along, which is what The Secret is about, you then have to take them and do the action to make it happen. And that's where people go wrong in life, that they just miss this big secret to life. It's actually about taking action. An example I'll give you is, imagine you had a glass of water in front of you, and I said, drink a glass of water. You wouldn't sit there just thinking about how to do it. You know, you would put your hand out, put your hand on the glass, lift your hand up, and drink it. You would actually take action to do that. You can't just sit there thinking about it, otherwise it won't happen. So, if you're going to take action, 
what I want you to do is pick the right goal that is for you. And it's got to be something you will enjoy. Because if you go into an event and you're not enjoying it already, you're not going to get a lot out of it. So the more you do it, the more you're actually going to start resenting it and more hating it because you just don't enjoy it in the first place. Yet if you go into doing something with enjoyment in front of you, you're going to get a hell of a lot further in what you actually want to achieve. And this is, again, it's a big thing that I can urge people to do is pick something that you're enjoying, enjoy, pick the right goal for you. And then also, once you've started doing it, be realistic. And you've got to be realistic because you've got to do this in small steps. That If you think of uh, Wayne Rooney, who's going to hopefully lead England to winning the World Cup this summer, well, fingers crossed, that did he just turn up and come out of his mum's womb and become a top international world-class player? No, he didn't. He trained and trained every day. He would go out and shoot, practice how to finish and score goals. And that's how he became the player he is today. So you've got to be realistic when you do something. It's not going to happen overnight. For example, if you're going to play guitar, you can't just pick a guitar up and become a brilliant, world-class axeman, can you? You've got to spend the time each and every day practicing it, even if it's just 10 minutes a day. Over a week, that's over an hour. Over a year, that's 52 hours. And I can guarantee you, you'll be a lot better guitarist after 52 hours than you are after 10 minutes. But then look at babies as well. That If a baby was to give up, they would never learn to walk and talk. But it's as like John Martini said, it's a little step at a time. Learn to feed yourself, learn to move yourself, learn to breathe by yourself. And eventually you can go from crawling to walking to running. But there's too many people out there that miss this opportunity and just think, oh, you know, I didn't get it first time. I can't be bothered to do it anymore. So just give up and leave it. And that's why people don't succeed. It's why, and it's why 80% of the wealth in the world is with the 20% of the people because they're the 20% of the people who take the action. Yeah, I've got a great stat for you that if you look at all the money in the world against all the people, the money in the world, it equates to everyone in this world is entitled to £1 million. But you're only entitled to it if you actually step up and go and take your share because if you don't, someone else will. So this is why it's really important to take action, that you're missing out on the opportunities that you really want because you're sitting there paralysing yourself, thinking about it too much. So this is what I really want you to urge is, is pick something you really enjoy doing it and then move on and go do it. If you pick something you love doing, your whole motivation is going to look very different because there's a big secret to it. And it might be something you've heard before, but it's all to do with the pleasure and the pain principle that... A lot of the time, if you're not enjoying what you're doing, you're motivating yourself with pain. And that's not enough to give you long-lasting motivation. And you don't spend the time to focus on the pleasure of what it gives you. Now, when I first got into coaching, I actually run a stop smoking business. And I used to work with people who wanted to stop smoking. And this is a really interesting one to take from the point of view of motivation. Because you could sit there and ask these people who wanted to stop smoking, what about a time that you were successful in your life? And example, one of them around said to me, oh, I won a cricket competition, I won player of the season, and I really focused that season, I'd go out there, I'd make sure I put the time in. Because I wanted to, in front of my parents to stand up and win this trophy at the end of the season award ceremony, because it thought, how great would that be to stand there in front of everyone to lift that trophy that I put all that effort in and did really well, my parents could see me win that trophy. I thought, wow, that's fantastic. And then I say to them, so what is it about giving up smoking? And they go, oh, I don't want to die a horrible death. I don't want to get lung cancer. 
I don't want to miss out on my children growing up and I don't want to be able to be you know don't want to be wheezy for the rest of my life just not having any energy and coughing my lungs up and do you notice the difference there it's all pain it was all running away from things looking over your shoulder that this thing's chasing you whereas when this person wanted to do well and win the player of the season award it was all about what the good it would give him so it's, again it's really important in motivation that I'm not saying don't focus on the pain because I have, I do believe it has its place. But you really need to establish the pleasure as well. By doing this, what's it going to give you? Because your brain will always go for what makes it feel good. So if you're only motivating yourself by pain, your brain's going to find anything else to take it away from focusing on that because it doesn't like it. However, it's not saying it's not important because it is important to realise these things as well to give you that initial, if you think, if you're going to, get yourself moving we're going to push that car for the first time you want as much power as possible but to keep it going it's got to be the pleasure and you don't want to be sitting there driving on going oh what if my car stops again you just want to be focusing on keeping it going and so how you do that is that when you've picked the one thing that you really want to do that you're going to go to until the end you've got to focus on and establish what is that good enough reason at the end of doing what you want to do it's going to keep you motivated and happy because a lot of the time what people do is they, they initially set that pleasure but then get overwhelmed by the task because they start looking at more than one thing so for example they might think about instead of having to jump start one car and push it they think about jump starting five cars and forget that you know just getting one going is going to be a good thing um, for example with me one of the things I used to have a problem with is doing things like bookkeeping and counting out all my receipts absolutely hated doing it but I didn't realise at the end of the year if I focused on handing in a nice set of clean of accounts that I could hand over to someone else, it was quite easy to do my accounts. But I would focus on having to sit there for two hours each week, counting up my receipts, doing the plus and minus, what's being paid out. And then I wouldn't do the task because the pain would take over. This is boring, it's dull, it's not exciting. But I would lose focus on the end game of what it would actually give me. So this is really important again in motivation to when you pick something that you really love to do and want to do, Establish what the pain is, the reasons you're running away from, of what you're looking over your shoulder. But more importantly, establish the reasons right in front of you of what happens when you achieve this goal. What it will give you in your life that will keep you motivated and keep focused on that reason. Don't stop. Don't start thinking about the middle. Don't start getting overwhelmed. Just think baby steps at a time one little thing that I could do to keep me getting one step closer to what I want to do that's going to help me achieve it easily and that I feel good about it, that I enjoy doing it. So that leads me onto this week's exercise to do with motivation and it's something I call Scrooge Theory because I'm sure you all know the Charles Dickens story about Ebenezer Scrooge who he was a mean old man, never celebrated Christmas and then he had ghosts visit him of the ghosts of the past the present and the future and what it showed to him is that if you keep going as you are now this is what you're going to get in the future and what it allowed it scared him to realize that he had to focus on what he did want in his future and there's some examples of this in in history that i'm going to take you through because it's the decisions that you make now that will impact you in the future the decisions you make now will determine what happens to you in 5, 10, 15, 20 years time because that's how life works that everything you do is laying that little seed that can turn into a bigger seed that turns into a snowball that will keep growing and a good example I'm going to give you is I'm sure you've heard of uh, the Nobel Peace Prize 
But just to give you the history of how that came about, Alfred Noble was actually the person who invented dynamite and was, you know, he invented one of the biggest killer things out there that was used is being used for murder. And what actually happened is his brother actually died and a newspaper accidentally published his obituary, not that one of his brother. And it was a really negative event for him. He read it and he was like came out as a really horrible man who invented this big thing. That wasn't what he intended to do. He was just invented something that he thought was cool. So what he actually did is he immediately signed over all his will and testament to this Nobel Peace Prize to award people for good so that when he did die, his obituary would say something good about him. He realised that he had to make a decision now that was going to affect his legacy. And Stephen Covey, is, uh, he wrote the book The Habits of Highly Effective People, he also says that whenever you're motivated, begin with the end in mind. If you want to motivate yourself, focus on what it gives you, as I've been saying through this whole module. So what Alfred Noble did is that he realised that his end at the moment was to be resoundingly hated as someone who went, invented a weapon of mass destruction that you know people did not like. He changed that, that he wanted to be remembered as someone who did good for the world and he invented the Nobel Peace Prize instead and left all his money to fund that. You see, you always have true choice in life. And true choice is that if you think you've only ever got one option, you need to realise that that's a problem. If you've realised that you've got two options, that's actually a dilemma. It's only when you realise you've always got three options, that's true choice. Because you can always say, yes, I agree, no, I don't agree, or you can then always say, what the hell, I don't care, and just walk away. And it's when you step back and add those options to whatever you're doing in your life, you can make better decisions. And these are the decisions that will impact your future. So we're going to look at Scrooge theory now. What I want you to do is think about if you stay exactly as you are now, what will your life be like in a month's time? What will your life be like in six months' time? How about in a year's time? What will you be saying about yourself? What will people be saying about you? How will you feel? How will you feel about what other people think about you? How about in five years' time? How about in ten years' time? About fifteen or twenty years' time, if you stay as you are now, what are people going to be saying about you? What are you going to be saying about yourself? Are you going to be looking back and going, I wish I did that? Or are you still going to be saying, I'll be happy when? Or I'll be happy if I do this? Just notice how that feels when you think about that. Okay. Now what you need to do is make a decision that you're going to change. Decide what it is that you're going to do. Focus on that one thing. And make sure you're committed to holding yourself to that standard. Make that decision now. And go, I'm changing now. I'm going to be this new person. What's your life going to be like in a month's time? What's it going to be like in six months' time? What's it going to be like in a year's time? In five years' time, how different will your life be? How will you be feeling? What kind of things will you be saying to yourself? all people be saying about you how about taking that into 10 years now what will you be saying about yourself in 10 years time when you look back at that decision you made right now about what you want to do 
What about in 20 years' time? If you make that decision now, how will your life be different 20 years' time because of that little seed that you laid right now? Because the whole thing with motivation is understanding this key this point about that the decisions you make now impact yourself, impact your future. And what you must do is make that commitment to change when you've decided what it is that you want to do and then hold yourself to that standard. If you can't hold yourself to that standard, you let go of it, you stop fighting it and you pick something else to focus on that's going to get you to that end in mind that you've decided upon. Ultimately, it's your responsibility to hold yourself to that standard. So that's it for this module. What I want you to do is just sit there every day because if you've just done that exercise quickly in the last couple of minutes as I did it, imagine that you did that every day for the next week. You're going to come up with some pretty strong images and feelings and make some pretty big decisions about your future. And I want you to just sit, spend some time doing this and get it crystal clear about how to motivate yourself with pleasure, the excitement of what it's going to give you going forward, and then how you can take that commitment to hold yourself to that standard. Well, welcome back to Module 7 of the Step Up Speak Out program, and this is the final module. So give yourself a pat on the back and a little whoop for getting this far. You have covered a lot of ground over the course of this program, and now it's time for you to put it all together to give you that unshakable confidence to step up and speak out for what you want from your life. You see, the beliefs you've learnt so far in life will reflect where you are right now. I've shared with you stories about how I stereotype myself, you know, for example, being fat and not able to meet women, and I've mentioned about what my dad taught me about credit cards. This whole programme has been created to help you Look for the threads in your life that you can clean up, then pull them all together to be that person who steps up and speaks out for what they want from life. If you want to keep getting the same from your life that you already have been getting, then just keep doing what you've always done. If you want to get different experiences, then now is the time to decide and make that commitment to change to be the person who will be doing the things that gives you what you want to have in your life. And there's a simple formula you need to follow to do this. Be plus do equals have. Now, in reality, I accept you might need to look at yourself a bit more before you apply this formula. All I ask you to do is just try out being yourself, work out what's interesting about you, and find out what is interesting about other people. The more knowledge you build up from reality, the more confident and competent you will become as you have a real world experience to context everything against. This type of mentality will open so many doors for you. Just live in the now and spend more time in the present and less time worrying about your future and the past. Just let go of the behaviours and memories that have been holding you back and you'll notice your problems soon disappear. Set a direction for life that everything you do is working towards and do one thing at a time. Don't overwhelm yourself by taking on too much. Whatever happens, just take that next step of action, learn from it, and take more action. Just stop worrying and start enjoying your life. Look forward to the future with a sense of excitement and anticipation of all the enjoyment of life you have right now. Always be true to yourself and stop trying to impress people. 
let people be impressed with the real you. If people don't like you for that, then wave them off with your blessing and find the type of people who are interested in the real you. At the moment, your shell identity confirms and validates your current beliefs. But if you know you're not being the person you want to be right now, then why are you letting these current beliefs rule your life? You must work out your true core identity and see how life would be different. Imagine waking up tomorrow and it's your perfect average day. Where are you? Who are you with? What are you thinking about? What are you saying to other people? What's the first thing you do each and every day? What do you have for breakfast? Where do you go for work? What do you have for lunch? What do you do for fun? And so on and so on. Literally go through an entire day writing down how it would pan out for you if it was absolutely perfect. This is such a powerful exercise as it will show you the gap between where you are right now and where you want to be. And if you know what the gap is, you can start doing something about filling it in. For example, my perfect average day, I decided time would not rule my day. I would eat fresh fruit for breakfast and I would always have dinner with my wife sitting at the dining room table. Very simple little things that are easy to do, yet I washed over them as time was more important. So I just binned my watch, I wrote a shopping list, made sure I left work to be home for my dinner with my wife every day. Guess what happened? My happiness levels increased and I became a lot more productive and a lot more fun to be around. So who are you? What do you look like? How do you dress? What do people associate you when you're in your perfect state? For example, within the industry I worked in, I was known as the guy who always wore the red tie, a shirt and a suit. And I had this image that matched my core identity of who I believed I was. I just knew what I was talking about when it came to my life. Even though I was always adaptable and I could always use a sense of humour to display my knowledge, I was certain. I could communicate effectively to get people to take the action that I needed to get things done. I could offer value to people who were interested in what I have to say. And I knew I didn't have to worry about the people who weren't interested in me. I'm here when they need me. You know, when the time's right, they can come and find me. I like to get people to get excited and focused on what they want to achieve. Like to help them set clear paths to what they're capable of doing. And most of all, I have the confidence to take up my space on this world because I'm being my true core self. I'm congruent on the inside to what the outside world sees me as. I'm curious, I'm spontaneous, I'm interested and I'm exciting. I know who I am, I know what I want to do and I know what I want to have. I do what I love. Everything I do, I'm doing it for fun. So who are you? And I mean the real, authentic, true you. That person you always wanted to be. Not just the shiny person who catches people's attention. The true you that attracts the people that who value you for what you offer as a human being. What we need to do is create that combination of characteristics that makes you unique, original and interesting. So are you going to be funny, intelligent, educated, culture dominant or maybe thoughtful? Are you going to be unpredictable? Or enthusiastic? Are you going to be really happy? Are you going to be aggressive? Are you going to be adventurous? Well, how about just plain confident? What are you going to be an expert at? What grabs your attention? 
Are you a charmer? What's your posture like? What gestures do you make with your body? Use all these things to work out who you are and then compare this true core identity to the shell that you are currently putting out to the world. This is the very same exercise I used in my life that took me from being constantly knocked down and walked all over by other people, paralysed by shame and guilt from my past and generally feeling like nobody wanted to listen to me, to being someone who got respect of people quickly and elegantly, had a solid past that I understood that got me to where I am today and I'm always, always ready to step up and speak out for what I want from life. I mean... I used to get so worried and wound up that I would explode like a volcano. Yet, why did I think what I had to say was only important when I got angry? It's only me that imposed that rule onto myself. Just make sure you care about what other people want whilst walking your own talk. Don't expect anything of other people. Just be open to opportunities appearing that help you get what you want. You need to follow some simple rules to make it all happen. First of all, make sure your own house is in order. You cannot go and help and influence other people if you haven't helped yourself first. You need to take responsibility for everything to control your behaviour. Set an objective for yourself, like being with me is the best choice that anyone can make. And then hold yourself to that standard. Focus on what gives you the long-term benefit to your life and avoid quick fix putting out the fire solutions. Once you've sorted yourself out, you can then look to work with other people as you can find relationships where the needs are aligned on both sides so both sides benefit. Never assume anything or think you know all the answers. Listen and understand before taking action. You can only grow stronger by working with other people. Just make sure you're always focused to get your outcome and get your happiness. At the same time, always remember to take time out and have fun so you are making sure you're happy. Don't run yourself into the ground and make yourself blunt and ineffective by working too hard and getting stressed and anxious over your life. Just always take that little bit of time out just to go and refresh your batteries so when you come back you're feeling stronger. So I've just downloaded a whole heap on you there. But being congruent is the biggest key to being in control of your life. You'll be more confident and more respected once you know what you want from life and can tell anyone about it. So to finish this module, and the whole program in fact, here's your final exercise. It's about creating your plan of attack. We're going to use the rule of one here that I talked about in an earlier module. This exercise is called Be, Do, Have. This is where you create your plan of attack to get what you want. This is where you pick one thing you want to do and you're going to commit a focus on it until it's completed before you do anything else. And your plan of attack is that simple formula I mentioned at the start of this module. Be plus do equals have. Now most people in life let this formula control them. They let their current belief about the world shape them as a person. This then dictates what that person does each day, which in turn gives them the result of what they have in their life right now. So what you are going to do now to take control of this formula is to flip it around. First of all, using that rule of one, 
pick that one thing that you want to get in your life right now. Just pick a material item or a certain experience you want to have. So in my case, I'll pick I want to lose 14 pounds or a stone. Next, I need to work out the things I need to do in order to lose that 14 pounds. So I might join a weight loss club, but I might get a decent diet to follow. I might go to the gym every day. Just need to list all the type of things I could do that will help me get to what I want. Then just step back and ask yourself, who do you need to be in order to do those things, in order to get what you want? So in my example, I would need to be committed to my goal. I would need to be organized each day to make sure I can get to the gym and stick to my plan. I need to write a shopping list that matches the menu I've set myself for a week. So I'm always eating healthily. Do you get what I mean? First of all, you work out what you want, then you work out what you need to do, then you need to be that person that does those things to get you what you want. Just pick that one thing you want to bring into your life. And think what type of things do you need to do to get this one thing? Who do you need to be to do the things you need to do to get this thing? Be plus do equals have. So that's it for this program. You've now got seven new rules for your life that you can use at any time you choose that will put you in full control. No more people knocking you down or walking all over you. Because now you know that being with you is the best choice anyone can make. You know that you can reap what you sow. You know that your past has made you strong today. You know that you should always try and understand where other people are coming from. You know that you should take time out to enjoy doing the things that you love doing. You understand that motivation can propel you forward. And you know about acting from your true identity and you the respect from other people. These are like the seven rules of life that you should always remember. Just be 100% sure about whatever you do. You don't need approval from other people. Focus on what you want. Don't live in fear of things going wrong. Learn from your past. Don't live life feeling full of shame and guilt. Never assume what other people might be thinking. Ask them what they actually think. Do what you love, not what you think other people want you to do. Look at the emotions you will get from doing things and don't paralyse yourself with fear by getting overwhelmed what might happen. Just be yourself, not the person you think people want you to be. That's seven new really powerful muscles for you to continue working on and building on every time you go through a new experience of your life. You can just repeat the Step Up Speak Out program on that one experience and just notice how it changes and turns into something really powerful to use. Just make sure that if anything is making you feel bad, take the learnings, make it a positive and then keep on stepping up and speaking out.